It's a crazy world out there, and this is the place to help you figure out how to live in it. Welcome to the Masculinist Podcast, the show about how we live as Christian men and as the church in today's radically new and challenging world. I'm your host, Aaron Wren. Thank you for listening. Please visit our website and sign up for our newsletter today at themasculinist.org. You can also support the work of The Masculinist on Patreon at patreon.com slash masculinist, on Gumroad at gumroad.com slash masculinist, or on PayPal at paypal.me slash masculinist. And now for today's show. Hello, this is Aaron Wren, and welcome back to the podcast. We're continuing with our series on Urban World, Urban Church, and today I want to talk about the post-secular city. You know, one of the uh, common beliefs about these elite coastal cities, the D.C.s, the New Yorks, the Bostons, etc., is that they are extremely secular environments that are very hostile to Christianity, and there is some truth in that, but I think there are a lot of nuances that people often miss. And what I'm going to say uh, today is really going to be highly variable between cities. Um, there are a lot of things in these kind of global cities that are very much the same, many of the same trends, like high housing prices. Uh, but there are others that are highly variable uh, because the culture is so different. Religion is one of them. The religious founding of a city has a profound impact on the culture and indeed economic trajectory of that city long, long, long into the future. Uh, there's a great book by a guy named Digby Balzel called Puritan Boston and Quaker Philadelphia that goes into how the differences in the, uh, the religious foundings of those cities account for so much of why Boston became such this premier intellectual cultural center of America that produced so much political leadership of the country, whereas Philadelphia uh, fell quite short uh, in, in most regards. It's interesting that Benjamin Franklin, Philadelphia's uh, most famous uh, citizen, uh, is someone who's originally from uh, Massachusetts, so he's kind of the exception that proves the rule. Or you can think about the Dutch founding um, of New York, with the kind of tolerant um, religion that existed in the Netherlands at that time that produced a very pluralistic society, market-oriented society, etc. Again, that's not an entirely religious aspect uh, to, to that founding, but there was a religious dimension to it. And so you really have to look at the specifics of each city to get a little bit of a sense of their uh, religious environment. But if we look at a place like New York, what we see is that New York is actually one of the most friendly cities in the country to religion. Now, that might seem like a deeply counterintuitive point, but it's actually true. And one reason that I think it's true is that from the early 20th century, New York had a very large Jewish population. Uh, today, I think there are still a million Jews who live in the city of New York, and a lot of them are Orthodox, not just the uh, Hasidic Jews um, that that we often stereotype as Orthodox, but there are a lot of modern Orthodox uh, in New York. And, you know, Jewish religious holidays and such are out of sync with the Christian holiday calendar that most of the rest of the country follows. And so New York always 
had a sort of awareness that people have these religious obligations, beliefs, etc., and that's going to shape how they live their lives. So if you go to you know an event uh, in, in New York and just like a, a dinner being served, kosher food is going to be available. It's just going to be available there because it's going to be assumed certain people have kosher. It's going to be assumed that certain people do not work or are unavailable um, on the Sabbath. And so uh, that friendliness to religion, I think, that um, developed uh, out of out of the fact that there was a, a, a large non-Christian uh, population there has bled over into essentially all, all religions. Um, Christians, uh, you know, can very much practice their religion, identify as, as uh, religious, and, and be welcome in the city. Good Friday, for example, um, is essentially a public holiday in, in the city of New York. I mean, New York, Manhattan is a ghost town uh, on Good Friday. Uh, on Ash Wednesday... Tons of people walking around with ashes uh, on their on their forehead, and it's the same thing with Muslims and other ones. I think the public schools now actually have, have uh, created a holiday uh, time off around some of the key Muslim holidays as well, just as they previously did for the um, Christian and Jewish holidays. And so it's a place where um, being religious is definitely something that is welcome. It's sort of like if you got your religious flag, fly it. Now that doesn't mean that. Uh, people are going to be particularly uh, uh, excited if you try to impose your religious views on society at large. It's definitely a very pluralistic environment, but um, just merely identifying as a Christian in New York is not going to get you in trouble uh, in the way that you might think it does um, elsewhere, especially if you otherwise affirm the values of the city. And what we see, in fact, is that there is a surprisingly large Christian population in New York, a lot of it driven out of the immigrant communities in the outer boroughs. There is a phenomenal website that you should check out called A Journey Through New York City Religions, nycreligion.info. I'll throw a link to it in the show notes. Uh, Tony Carnes uh, runs it. It's a great site. It doesn't just focus on Christianity. Uh, it focuses on all the religions of New York. And they have a unique approach to journalism that talks about those communities. But you really get a sense of the immense amount of religion in New York and Christian religion. Tony Carnes, who runs it, has estimated that there are 1.2 to 1.6 million evangelical Christians in the city of New York. Now, that seems crazy to believe, Um but it's true, and a lot of them are in uh, ethnic communities outside of New York. Uh, a few years ago, a uh, an evangelist by the name of Luis Palau held a huge 60,000-person Billy Graham-style uh, gathering in, in Central Park, and it's like, I'm like, who is this guy? I've never heard of him. Apparently, he's a, he's a big name, and it just goes to show, like, I mean, you know, I'm in this world, and yet there's so much going on in terms of... Christianity in New York. I'm like I'm not even aware of of gigantic things happening. I'll throw a um, a link to a New York Times article about that uh, Luis Palau event that goes into some of the details about some of the ethnic Christians that came together to um, promote that. Um, and, and there's just you know you'll know if you think about it, there are a ton of like large well known churches in New York. Uh, Redeemer Presbyterian probably has about five thousand people. Hillsong has more than that. Um, 
there's a, a church called Christian Cultural Center out in East New York. Uh, A.R. Bernard uh, is, is the pastor there. 45,000 uh, members, attendees, something like that. I think it's the largest church in New York City. There are just a ton uh, of churches there and a ton of Christianity. I was actually doing a survey with someone in um, Sunset Park in Brooklyn, just walking into some churches on a Sunday morning to see what was going on. I walked into this one church and it was packed and the entire congregation was Indian. And it's like, who knew there was this Indian Christian congregation just packed in, in Sunset Park? It's all over the city. And so um, Tony Carnes coined that phrase, I think, the post-secular city to refer to this sort of phenomenon where um, religiosity, although we think of a place like New York as quintessentially secular, and it is in a certain sense, there's also been this massive expansion of, of faith going on. I think some things are sort of similarly underway in London, for example. Yes, Church of England attendance is uh, in the tank, uh, but you see a lot of um, ethnic uh, religious groups there, Christi- Christians, um, often from Africa, uh, but also Hindus, also Muslims, uh, tremendous amount of religi- religiosity coming to the fore uh, in London. Now, other places, I think, uh, are more truly secularized, um, certainly in, uh, you know, they're, they're maybe less religion-friendly or, or less, um, uh, less maybe less a little bit less amenable to some of the evangelization that's happened in New York. Uh, I lived for a while in Providence, Rhode Island, and um, it's, you know, like a lot of New England, it's heavily Roman Catholic, mostly non-practicing, however. But our church that I attended while I was there met in a building, uh, it was a Methodist church building, but the congregation there um, was, uh, it was a Liberian uh, community, I believe, and it was just large church of people, essentially all made up of immigrants from Liberia, and, um, you know, they they were great, they still, they still believed in tre- treating church uh, like it was church, I mean, they talk about dressing up in your Sunday best, if you ever remember that phrase, I mean, they did it. They came in looking like you would expect people uh, to be looking going to church a generation ago, very serious people about what they're doing. And again, a lot of these ethnic churches all over the Northeast, now there's less diversity, uh, ethnic diversity there. Uh, Boston is by far the whitest major metropolitan region in the country, for example. Uh, But nevertheless, uh, you know, probably a lot of ethnic churches, a lot of growth there. A place like Chicago, again, Chicago is a quintessentially Catholic city. Um, a lot of uh, Polish people, a lot of Irish, a lot of Mexican. Uh, but again, you see there very large and growing um, uh, Protestant uh, Hispanic congregations. A lot of them you never heard of. There's mega churches there that people have never heard of that are predominantly Hispanic Protestant churches. Um, that, that are really growing. That's, that's just part of what's happened. It's something you would miss if you're just going to the loop uh, and talking to people about the bears and, you know, which you would run in there. Yes, there are probably people whose, you know, kids go to Catholic school, they're Catholic, uh, more, more of a kind of a traditional religion, but there's also this kind of emerging um, Hispanic Protestant uh, as well. And, and of course, a lot of other people, there's obviously a lot of uh, a very large uh, and influential black churches there as well. I'm less familiar with the West Coast, but I even look at a place like Seattle, which, uh, you know, you know, Mark Driscoll used to talk about how underchurched it was, and you had some of the largest and most prominent um, kind of Protestant church startups were launched out of Seattle. Mars Hill, 
which was Mars, um, um, Mark Driscoll's church out there, um, was like something like 8,000 people at, at its peak, a, a multi-site church. And although the structure of Mars Hill itself imploded, uh, I think some of the locations actually uh, spun off as independent churches, rebranded, obviously, uh, but but they're still going strong. Um, it's Jeff Vanderstelt, I believe, uh, in his Soma Church uh, in Tacoma area, which really he's kind of been one of the big guy pushing this idea of called missional church. Uh, he's he's got some really interesting presentations talking about it. I think he's a very very good guy. And there there's some other ones out there too too I believe. So I do think you know it's going to depend on where you are. It's going to depend on the culture of the place. But there is this idea that. All of these cities are just completely secular is simply not true. And I think in a lot of ways, they're probably more friendly to religion in general uh, than you might think, especially as increasing levels of diversity um, have hit these places. And that increasing diversity uh, provides a lot of opportunity, uh, I think, for Christian church uh, and also uh, you know, create some dynamics we might not think about, um, for, for example. Uh, one of the things that Tim Keller likes to uh, talk about is, hey, people from, you know, rural wherever come to New York, it's easier to evangelize them in Queens than maybe it was in the rural area where they came from, and then they can re-export Christianity back to where they came from. Uh, you could also think of it going the other way where maybe people from some of these uh, countries where Christianity is still more traditional and strong um, are sort of exporting Christianity back into these global cities. Uh, a guy I know uh, from here uh, actually did a very interesting um, church startup in London that was a partnership between an Indianapolis church and a church in Nairobi, Kenya. And they had a you know community there. They were going after it. And so I think you know, we tend to think of evangelization as flowing out from the United States. Now, in some ways, there's really a bi-directional flow. Uh, when you think about global cities and global networks, it's not just totally hierarchical. It's not just totally one way. Things go in, things go out. They affect us uh, in a powerful way, but we all, we also affect them. What comes in and out from the world, it's, it's a very complex network. And so, it, you know, is it truly good or bad? You know, I'm not not 100% sure there's pros and cons to it, uh, but I think what it shows is that the religious dynamics of these big global cities are not nearly um, what you might think that they are. And so uh, I'm going to drop some links again in the show notes. I'm going to drop a link to Journey Through New York City Religions, uh, drop a link to A.R. Bernard's Church, uh, some of the ones that I've talked about here. You can check them out. Uh, but don't necessarily take at face value people telling you how hard it is to do church in these places because they're so secular and it's such rocky soil. In, in fact, a lot of people are very successful at doing churches there, and religion is alive and well in the global city. Thanks for listening.